Can you tell me about your dad? You're awesome. Dada. Dada. Mace, say daddy. 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 The heart. I like how you like cars. What's your favorite thing to do with daddy? When we build snowman together. Ooh. Remember we built one together? I do. With balloons. I like that you always have fun with me. What's something kind of hard about your dad? Getting frustrated. <laughs> when you told me what to do and I don't want to do it. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. I feel like I love you. I love you. Hi, I'm Justin, girl dad of two. And I'm Freddie, boy dad of three. We're two friends on a mission to be the best dads possible. While leaving a record for our kids to know who we are in the season of our lives. Welcome to the Love Dad Podcast. All right, we've got a, a really good one today. Really cool and excited. We have my dad on the <laughs> podcast, Fred Sr. Quick little bio about Fred Sr. Born in 1957. August 6th? Yep. August 6th, 1957. <laughs> um, he's the oldest of three brothers. Uh, married my mom in 1980. I was 19. Okay. He was 19 when he married my mom. They had so my 77? older... 77? 77. 1977. Yep. Nice. They had my older sister in 89. She's five years older than 86. 87. <laughs> 87. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is a, a jumbled bio. Um, and then I was born in 91. They raised my sister and I and uh, a number of, well, a couple of other neighborhood kids that would come around. He's been a part of that. He is a man of many trades and an expert at a number of things. And one of those would be uh, being a dad and raising oh, kids. Thank you. Um, something that. I know I've talked to Justin, you about it before, is like the fact that I have a relationship with my dad as an adult is pretty rare in uh, the climate we live in. It's super special. Yeah, and it's super special. So uh, his qualifications are, I still still love him, (laughs) (laughs) even after raising me. uh, Results matter. Results matter. Yeah, and the same would go. I I can speak easily for my, my sister. He is the... Author of a prayer journal called uh, Prayer Warrior, and he is the what do you call yourself? The principal. The principal. The principal of the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast, which you can listen to anywhere you find podcasts. There's hundreds of episodes and countless hours of insight into how to have a fervent prayer life. And anyone who knows Fred Senior knows his prayer life is foremost in his walk with Jesus and has been formative in how he has raised his family, loved his wife and loved his children and led his community um, by example into kind of taking this call to all things submitting in supplication to the Lord to heart. So we are excited to have him on mm-hmm. the Love Dad podcast. Justin, over in Washington, yes, how we how we doing, buddy? Just got done with hernia yeah uh it's early uh earlier for me than usual usually i'm at work right now uh but instead i am recovering from dual inguinal hernia and an umbilical hernia surgery from yesterday i'm feeling quite a bit better today than yesterday from a um aches and pain standpoint it's supposed to get better every day which is good um but yeah no it's uh it's been very interesting to i it's not even close to the same, not even remotely close to the same, but uh, but Jordan had an emergency C-section with our youngest, and, <laughs> so, and some of the stuff that we talked about as far as just dumb, small things that they never tell you about these surgeries, like, right. it, it, it hurts when you pee, not because it hurts to pee, but because, like, the bladder moves, like, on the incisions, and, and it's like, oh, that moved around when it wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Um, it's there's just things that you don't think about. 
yeah. which is ridiculous. You heard it here, ladies. Uh, Justin's comparing uh, don't, hernia don't. outpatient surgery to... <laughs> don't make me laugh too hard either. <laughs> uh, you're killing me. Um, no, the the big thing that was interesting about it was that, so they wheel me into the operating room, which is his own experience because I've never had surgery before besides wisdom teeth. So Jordan's had like 15 ear surgeries and like a number of other operations. And so she's like, what are you talking? It's easy. Don't worry about it. They'll just do this. You'll go to sleep. You'll wake up. I'm like, okay. Like I have no context for this besides you brushing it off since you've been having surgery since you were six months old. <laughs> um, but they wheel me in and they, they like, and that's what's going to be doing the surgery on you today. And they point over to this giant multi-armed white robot that is just like hanging there, oh, like no. star, like a Star Wars robot. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." The doctor will be driving it with that thing. It's like a virtual reality, basically what? set up. It like there's like this big hood, and he sticks his arms in it, and he drives the That's drives amazing. the robot to do the laparoscopic inguinal repair. Yeah, wow. hernia repair. Yeah. So I'm good. It'll be good. I've been trying to get this surgery since. Well, I was scheduled for this surgery to occur like the first week of April of 2020. I had my uh, my pre-op like consultation like the first week of March of 2020. And then they called me and they're like, yeah, so this COVID thing. Yeah. No, we're not doing <laughs> surgeries. We're going to put you off for a while. So it's been three years in the making. Years ago, I had uh, had my gallbladder out and... The doctor was telling me, the surgeon was telling me that it's really easy. And he was speaking compared to the way they used to do it. Right. And that was when I was still running. And so I scheduled a run the afternoon of my surgery. <laughs> and and I woke up in pain and coming out of the anesthesia. I don't know what I said to the nurses, but I had to apologize when I got done, because I was yeah. just mad. I was just mad because he was saying, oh, it's so easy. You just make these little insects. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not easy. They, <laughs> they undersell it pretty right. good. Right. For sure. <laughs> um, it's it's not like I'll be recovered in like two weeks. Right. Jordan took like a couple months <laughs> or more yeah. to yeah. recover from hers. Um, they didn't have to go through any crazy levels of tissue or anything for mine. But it's... Uh, it's a weird. It's a. It's just a weird thing. They definitely undersell the. They're like, oh yeah, you you know, you can go on a light jog over the next right. couple of days if you wanted right. to. I'm like, I'm not jogging anywhere. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. You might get me on a walk, but a jog would be terrible. Right. No way. Yeah. You yeah. get a hernia surgery done. I think you've done a lot of them, but get one done to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's it's all good. How was uh, your trip down, senior? It was nice, actually. The the first leg of the flight, it was wall to wall people, and but but that's okay. I like people in general. And then the next two um, legs, I was all by myself in the seat the whole time, and so I just prayed and read and looked out the window when I got a chance to look out the window, and and uh, and I wish all flights could be like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was long, but it was just it was just fun. Yeah, flying over. And then the bummer about flying into uh, yeah Nashville is we're two hours south of Nashville in Chattanooga, so it um, it's the two Chattanooga hour drive International Airport's down, so I couldn't yeah. fly into Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the the there's nothing worse than getting off of a four or five hour plane ride to yeah. then get in the car for two hours and right. drive again. Right. Yeah, I I get it. Uh, yeah, we were talking the other week about how everything's more difficult, like traveling with children. Mm -hmm. It's like you yeah. don't get to do anything for yourself or, right. or whatever. And uh, you talking about this new stage of your life where you just get to yeah. read and pray mm -hmm. and look out the window <laughs> right. or yeah. do nothing if you want to. Right. Feeling a little, uh, just, a, just a little bit <laughs> of jealousy in my right. gut for that <laughs> one. Uh, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, now that I'm old. The season's okay, but yeah. the best season of my life was raising my babies. So yeah, that's I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. I did not realize um, that it's Cassie, right? Cassie's mm -hmm. Cassie's yep. the name of the eldest. Um, yep. uh, Cassie is that much older than Freddie. I thought they were closer. Mm -hmm. 
in age. Yep. What was uh, what was it like, Kevin? Our girls are about four years apart, and it sounds like they're about five years apart. Having yep. having that much distance between them, I know they're about four four and a half years apart too. What was it like having that kind of distance between your two kids growing up? Well, one of the things might um, I have a degree in education, and one of the things that we learned was. You know, you have the first child, second child, third child thing. If it's five years or right around five years difference, then the second baby or the third or whatever is 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 like a first child has the same attributes as a first child has because enough time has passed where there's no there's no real rivalry uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, oh, we are rivals. Well, yeah, but they're, <laughs> yeah, but they're in, in a good way. One of the things that I, what I that I loved is, and I and I don't know, I've never really discussed with Cassandra why, but there was a time when I would be walking through the hallway, and she would be sitting with Freddie right next to her, and they would be reading through the Book of Job together. Jo- always the Book of Job. Well. I don't know if they ever read anything else. When I was there, it was the Book of Job, and I don't know why they she chose that or whatever. But, um, but I just remember those uh, tender moments when and Freddie was just sitting and listening to his sister read from the Bible, and that's kind of an advantage that that I've always been appreciative of. Um, but they did have their times and there were times when they would wrestle and Cassandra would hold Freddie down uh-huh. and, and tease him and stuff. And I would tell her, you got to watch out because in shorter time than you think, he's going to be bigger and stronger than you. <laughs> and it's going to be the other way around, which ended up happening, um, with of girls. Of course it did. Yeah. With he's girls. He's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, not it that It only way, took but... me to 18 to be able to beat up my sister. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. But, uh, right about the time you really should be doing that, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But it was a it was a, a joy to have them and have them that space, yeah, apart, and and being a, being able to enjoy Cassandra at her stages independently at, uh, of Freddie at his. Yeah. So she was they weren't babies together, and uh, and the the things that you know really the small kids the fights they get into. They didn't get into because Cassandra was bigger and and um, and I had all brothers and and we fought a lot more the whole time. So I think the brother sister thing helped them draw closer as well because they didn't have any kind of rivalry or um, that I had with my little brothers. Yeah, so that's interesting. It makes me wonder from your perspective. We've talked some about like how every generation picks stuff up from what they from their uh, that they want to do and what they don't want to do mm-hmm. from their parents right. obviously right. it's like oh, and from everybody around them is thinking about how you and your wife chose to raise your children what did you take with you from uh how you were raised that you were thought were was beneficial and what were some things that you were saying this is something i intentionally want to do even if it's not something i grew up with right well we grew up without Christ. My dad was a bricklayer and he was working on a church. Uh, I was probably 11 or 12 and he was working on a church and the pastor kept bothering him to come to church. And so they decided... He was they building were, the church, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was doing the bricklaying. Like brick. Yeah. Okay. And so he, they decided it was the only time we ever went to church, we would go to church. And we went, so we went to church and um, my dad, evidently the pastor, just the whole, spent the whole sermon chiding people who only came to church on Christmas and Easter. (laughs) Ah, yes. So that was- Great, great way to keep people coming in. Right. So that was the last time that, and that my dad came away with that is, okay. Anyway, so we never went to church before that. Um, my dad was an interesting person, and uh, I told Freddie here just recently, they never fought. My mom and dad never fought openly in front of us. Hmm. Um, and so I don't know some of the ways, 
So I don't know. I mean, he, he had a real gentle nature and he had a real patient nature and people would call him up and he would talk to them for hours at a time. Uh, wow. And, and usually it was, you know, I'm, both of my, both sides of the family drank a lot. And so usually it was a person who had probably had a little too much to drink and were sad on some thing, but, um, but he would listen. And when I became a Christian as an adult and tried to talk to him about Christ, it was really hard because one of the things he would say to me is, don't I live like a Christian? Which he did pretty remarkably well for somebody who wasn't saved. And, and, and it was hard to say, I, I know that that's true, but I also know your faults, the, the lies he used to tell to my mom, usually about fishing or hunting or something. <laughs> um, sure. And, and the cuss words that I learned from him and the, the stories that were inappropriate that I learned from him. But the, the, thing that I, the thing that I got the most is I really trusted him all the time. And so, for instance, so for like for Santa Claus, I believed in Santa Claus way older than my contemporaries. And I remember being teased uh, almost into the sixth grade for believing in Santa Claus. But because my dad said it, I believed it. Right. And he also liked to tease. And his teasing followed that same line. Like we went, uh, we were at a job with him once. And there was some yellow sand. There's a lot of yellow sand in Idaho. And we thought it was gold. And he encouraged us in that thought. And we just loaded up his truck with all this <laughs> sand all day long. We worked, you know, we were little kids. We worked all day long loading up what we thought was gold, valuable oh, no. stuff. And then at the end of the day, he started, shove, you know, shoveling it out of the boxes and stuff in his truck. And, and I was crushed that he would let me believe that all day long. And to him, it was kind of funny, but to me, I was crushed. So how that relates to your question is, so we decided we didn't talk about Santa Claus. We didn't talk about the Easter Bunny. We didn't talk about those things because I knew when they got old enough, I would be telling them, about a savior who came in a miraculous way in the flesh and died for their sins. And I never wanted them to conflate those two things, to say, he lied to me about Santa Claus. Maybe he's lying to me about this. So we didn't engage in any of those sorts of things uh, as the kids were growing up. And in differing degrees, they they haven't raised their kids that way, which is which is fine. I, I hope Freddie would confirm. Um, I, I don't get involved in their lives unless they ask me advice. They're grown ups, which is one of the the principles that that you guys need to to think of, and I think you do. But you got to trust the way God moved you, and then trust the way you raised your kids. Mm-hmm. So when they get old enough, you don't have to manage their lives. You don't have to look at them and 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 think, oh, Cassandra loves Halloween with her babies. We never did Halloween. But I don't throw my arms up in the air and say, she's raising little pagans. <laughs> right. Because she's, yeah. because she's not. Right. Uh, and and I know uh, I, I'm praying for several parents whose kids are in having troubles. And one of the things that has come to my mind over and over again is maybe the parents reaction to their children's decisions or the the thought process their children are going through maybe their reaction is part of the problem because they overreact and anyway um so i try to do that with my kids but the very first thing was not to lie the lie to them about well anything if i could help it but teasing them in the moment so that was, yeah, that, that makes, was the thing that I took away that I said, I'm not going to do that to my kids that my dad did to me. And he wasn't, I don't hate him for it or I don't feel like damaged about it. I just, it was really uncomfortable and I didn't want to repeat that. Yeah. Is that, uh, 
Is it challenging? I mean, I can only, I can only imagine really I, uh, what it's probably like to see your kids grown and not necessarily asking for help maybe when they need it. Right. Uh, is it challenging to, to take that, to take that space and be present, but not, and available, but not, um, stepping in where you don't feel you're, they're ready for you to not, not for me. And, and I think part of the process, uh, so I was in a prayer group a few years ago and one of the guys said, would you pray for me? I got to talk to my daughter. She's not making decisions. And, and then the next person said, well, I need to talk to my son. And then the next person, and one of them, the, uh, the fourth one, their, their child wasn't saved. To me, that's a legitimate thing. But I, I sat and listened to them and did pray for them. But I thought, there is no way I would get my grown child into a room and tell her, you need to get married or tell, you know, and she wasn't doing anything. She, she was in school. Um, she graduated with a couple of degrees. She traveled to Europe. The only chance you get to do that is when you're young and not married and don't have kids. And so yeah. um, that that just to me, that never occurred to me to take my son aside and say, you need to make these decisions. Um, part of the reason uh, we did, uh, I believe that God is sovereign in all things. And interestingly, um, when Freddie was in high school, he wanted a motorcycle and we didn't let him get a motorcycle. Mm. And He still wants a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I think, was was it after you graduated that you came yeah. to me? So he came to me and and talked about a motorcycle. And, and then he said, but you believe in the sovereignty of God. So whatever happens yeah, on my motorcycle, <laughs> whatever happens on my motorcycle is going, you know, and... And, and I just stopped and said, okay, he's right about that. So <laughs> by faith, get your motorcycle. Right. I, I, you know, um, that's right, so, kids. Yeah. Listen up that's to so, that's your so. parents are Calvinist. You've got the well, ultimate weapon. Right. Well, and the, <laughs> but the fact that he thought that through biblically yeah. and, and, and called me is if you really believe this, then there's no reason I shouldn't have a motorcycle. I um, will say I did that 100% selfishly for, for right. the only reason was, was I was going to say, that sounds like, yeah, uh, you're good on you for not reacting like I would react, right. which is like, okay, yeah, it's yeah. The, no, yeah, no, you're not. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They he called you on the mat for something, right. but also. Well, I really truly do believe that. And I was proud of his thought processes. And yeah. in the same way, I grew up uh, because of some circumstances um, not drinking alcohol, even not saved. I didn't drink alcohol. And, and so when I became a Christian, I had a real legalistic view about that matter. And, um, my daughter followed in those footsteps, but with Freddie, it was a little different, but he would, he would say, well, doesn't the Bible say this? Jesus turned water into wine. And he did. And, um, Paul tells Timothy, don't get drunk. Doesn't tell him not to drink wine. In fact, he tells him, drink wine for your stomach. And um, that was after I kind of turned the corner on that a little bit. But the reality is, if we're going to live out what we believe, then it was never good for me to judge other people for their drinking when it wasn't getting drunk. I was always, and then I realized in that process, I was the weaker brother. I always thought I was the stronger one. When you're legalistic, you think you're the one that's strong. You're actually the weaker brother. You you can't handle it. And, um, but the fact that my kids, both of them, thought biblically and reasoned biblically, once they do that, they're going to make their own mistakes. They're going to make decisions like Tennessee. I would rather have them closer, but <laughs> but there's no way I'm going to tell them not to move to Tennessee. So, I I tried to tell him not to move to Tennessee. Right? <laughs> I right. tried. I tried. Yeah. So I tried to tell him how sad I was going to be right. and right. Uh, how, how really terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried. To, I tried to I pull the, the heartstrings a little bit, but right. yeah. So I'm not sure why, but it's 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 never bothered me when they make decisions that they make that are different than I would make. They're adults. That's a good word because I don't think that that's going to be 
easy for me to do. Yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah. thinking the same thing, Justin, of of not only will it be difficult to to kind of just, you know, stand back and watch those things, but also right. the idea of of like I'm wrong in some area and eventually one of my sons is going to come up and correct me. Mm-hmm. Not correct me. Or just, you right. know, yeah, go do a different it. thing. Right. And mm-hmm. to have the humility to be like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this is different. It's it's we kind of talked about that last last time we were talking about Wes Justin where it was like you can't really like can't really slip anything by him. And I know that's the same for for Layla as well. Yeah. It's like they're just real smart and so mm-hmm. it's like you yeah. can't you can't kinda like wordsmith your way around something. They'll call you on it. And that's where you yeah. just gotta be like, Oh, yep, you're right. And this is probably why I did that and I think a lot of times for me and a struggle would be to allow my pride mm. or my you know yeah, my it'd be my pride. My pride to get in the way of saying you know what, you're right. This, you know, whatever it is, drinking, right. you know, might not be, it's not a sin for everybody. For me, I've right. stayed away from it. But allowing that conviction to just be yours right. rather than... Right, everybody else's. Rather than yeah. everybody else's, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and finding the line when that happens has got to be interesting too because uh, obviously I make a lot more decisions for my five-year-old than I will for my oh, 20-year-old. yep. Yep. And that's a, that's an interesting. Right. And that's the season too. That, too. You have a time to have them, to influence them, to work with them, to model Christ to them. But that time ends and they're, they're really gods. My daughter used to, <clears throat> when she was in college, um, she would do to me really dangerous things. Walk up to homeless men on the street menacing looking men and talk to them about the gospel or give them something to eat. Um, uh, at one point, um, some young men jumped the fence of the place she was living into her backyard. Now they're up to no good. It doesn't matter what else happened, but she throws open the sliding glass door, goes out and talks to them about Christ, invites them to the ministry that she was involved in with or is involved in with her husband, Derek called Madhouse. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, you can't do that, you know. And right. and for a time, I thought, I, I'm not there to protect you. But the reality right. is, two young inner city men, I would actually be of little protection for her. They would dispense of me very quickly. And then, you know, so you just got to give them over to God and say, okay, Lord, they're yours. This boldness, I really admire in her. Um. You're going to keep her safe in those situations. That's huge. Yeah, but it, but ultimately it's true. Even if I was w- there, the difference I couldn't between have you and Justin, her. he has three black belts, so he well, would, yeah. he would be. Well, a- yeah, you could do something about it, but I can't do anything. <laughs> not today, I can't. Yeah. My, uh, as long as he's yeah, not yeah. belly hurts. Surgery, he's right. All right. Yeah, not the, the, the side note. Layla did. I would. I told her I was like, sweetheart, I can't do very much right now i need to i'm slow to move and i was trying to can you tell her what was going on and she she asked me so if anybody came would you be able to <laughs> defend you stop them yeah and i was like i would it doesn't matter how much i hurt kiddo i would figure right. it out and yeah. we would be able oh, to stop sweet. whatever needs to happen but you don't have to worry about that we're in a safe space right. we have locks on the doors you don't have to worry about it but she she made that connection like oh no dad's yeah. Hurting the right. protector. Is wow. he going yeah. to be the protector if something were to happen now? Actually, what I told her, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this, Freddie. I uh, I told her, oh, Dad has a sword. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she yeah. was like, a sword. I was like, yeah, I got a sword. Yeah. She was like, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, it's funny to me. I was yeah. laughing to myself. <laughs> right. right. Well, along those lines, one of the things that I wanted to that I did want to get to today is you've got two daughters. And, I do. Um, with Cassandra, I raised her to be a strong, self-assured woman who wouldn't put up with dirty jokes. Not She wouldn't put up with dirty stories. She wouldn't put up with inappropriate suggestions or actions. And and I I listened as her and her mates were playing outside so I could catch them in those times. And several times I chewed the neighborhood boys out 
and sent them home and said, when you feel like you can apologize to me and to my daughter, then you can come back. But in front of my daughter, I would tell them, my daughter is worth more than that. So you're not going to treat her that way. And, and with your baby girls, raise them to be strong. It doesn't matter. Cassandra got in the- theological arguments with the boys in when she got in high school and stuff. And, um, but I raised her that way on purpose because in our age, the temptation is to treat women like things, which I guess isn't wholly universal. But in our age, women are letting themselves be treated like things. They're even bragging about it. When you hear like modern songs and modern music, it's stunning to me that uh, some of those women would let themselves have that view of themselves. Does that make sense? It does. So raise them to be strong and and not put up. They're worth more than that. They'll find They'll find a husband who loves them and cherishes them, but they don't need to be weak to find that husband. Yeah, definitely not. I like the intentionality about what you're talking about there because it's like a step forward for what we're doing right now, which is we, we especially if we don't know the families uh, as well or are really close with them, like everybody comes here. That's the Perfect. neighborhood kids have yeah. kind of figured that out now. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, Layla can play here. Right. Yes. Unless right. I'm coming into the backyard over at whoever's house, that's fine. Um, and that's the that's the one of several things that we focused in on. And um, part of it is so I can know what's going on. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can protect her and, and know that the way that we are raising our kids is being followed through on. Um, she's also younger than the other kids in the neighborhood. So that, that right. is a big part of it. Um, but also like I, I want to teach her when I see her, acting in a way that she shouldn't, I want to be able to correct in the right well, way certainly. in the moment mm-hmm. instead yep. of after the fact. But the step forward that you're sharing, which I really like, is, A, these kids are in, even though it's a little bit more um, complicated now to do that with kids uh, that aren't yours, um, it can be a little bit more complicated, uh, to find ways to speak into their lives in a way that says, no, this is how we do things and this home and this is the expectations I have um, because of the worth of my daughters um, and your worth, you're worth more than this too, kid, to then talking that way or speaking that way or treating people that way. Um, and then teaching her to do the same thing is going to be really important. So it's really nice to have these kids over. I love it. I love, mm-hmm. they want to come and hang out and have dinner and play with the baby and run around out in the backyard. And that's right. what we wanted. Um, but it, one of the things I'm starting to realize is that is a pretty big responsibility on me as a dad. And it sounds like it probably was on you as a dad, too, to say, well, now my responsibility is extended to all of these kids right. in being a good father example to my daughters and secondarily to these other kids, too. Yeah, the... I was thinking about this the other day too. Uh, we need to get a fence up in our yard. We kind of live on a busier street and, um, you know, we just want to be able to let the boys out to just have all the fun and not have to worry about them running into the road. So it's like things that we want to do to protect them. And we, Katie and I always talk about this whenever we're, especially when we're with uh, Cass and Derek and, and their kids is eventually there's an age where you're not worried about them drowning. You know, we are out, we're camping or at the yes. river and we just get to relax and let them go out. And then <laughs> this idea that raising, you know, toddlers and infants takes so much of you because you're keeping them alive. Right. And then when they move into this next stage, you know, where Wes and Brooks and, and Layla are at, where they're, you know, little kids, it's like the intensity of, of our thoughts isn't like, oh, they're not going to go out and run into the road. So now we just get to let them you know, go, obviously they have to go and grow and experience life, right. but the, it, the intentionality of thinking like I am here to protect them from <laughs> more than just the water and things that can hurt them, right. but also the realities or the harshness of, of the world that it comes in at an appropriate age at an appropriate time. Right. And the, 
you know, I, I've worked with enough students and, you know, I think we could both say been around enough to experience people yeah. who experienced adult things ex- way too early right. and what yes. that has, the damage that that has right. potential to cause <laughs> is significant. Um, and so, yeah, that is, I was just thinking about the other day too, of like, oh, once this fence is up, you know, the boy, and it's true in my own yard, I don't have to worry about them as much, but as soon as you grow up and friends start coming over and all this stuff, it's like, all right, the, the call to be aware right. of what's going on, of what's going on is mm-hmm. just, just as much. And that's only going to grow as you build your community down there too, right? Is, uh, that, that Southern hospitality people People come over and go over, and and it seems to me like are involved yeah. in a way that uh, in the Northwest when it rains, you know, six months out of the year, <laughs> uh, we we like to nod from a distance and walk Tennessee's on by ready most for of you, the buddy. time. It's, yeah, Tennessee's waiting yeah. for you. Yeah, um, yeah, I that's know, I know. yeah. I, I, on that, Justin or Dad, I want to ask you. You you seemed very intentional with your friend group and the people that mm-hmm. you decided to be around. Right. And was that obviously for your own edification, how much of Cassandra and I did that have to deal with? And, and were there moments of relational sacrifice you made in order to, for us as, as your kids? Um, well, my friends, my closest friends, have, I, my friend Kevin, I've known since the third grade and Clay since we were, 16 years old so that core um no yeah uh, that that never that never changed um these are both men that i call my uncles uncles, that i did not know i was literally not related to them till i was probably the age a little too old yeah probably the age you realized santa wasn't real i was like like maybe in seventh grade or eighth grade like yeah because it was uncle kevin and uncle clay but they're my friends for a long time so not in that regard the other thing that my kids didn't learn their theology from church. They learned it from me. We went to church right. for fellowship and playing and running around. Um, we didn't let our kids date. They did uh, our version of courtship, which is basically group things. You could do group things together. Um, uh, but that was all part of that protection state stage that we were in. Uh, and I think one of the things one of the things I've noted too, and this doesn't apply to either of you guys, but might be a good thing in general. <clears throat> I've noticed when people come to Christ later in life, maybe after they've had kids, or they're not growing in Christ when they have their kids, that as they're struggling with their theology and and the, the outworking of that, how they're going to live out what they believe about uh, God and Christ and and the church is unless a parent is really, really transparent, the kids see their struggle, spiritual struggle, as hypocrisy because they don't know any better. They see dad acting one way at church and another way at home. Or um, uh, uh, there was a, um, an incident, a little run that we went on, and we had to walk through, Freddie and I had to walk through a, a homosexual rally on the way out. And I almost walked around that, but I decided not to. We talked a little bit about that. He was just little, but he knew, he knew what that meant. Anyway, we walked through and I prayed out loud for the salvation of the people there. And we didn't get stopped. People would turn around and, and watch us, but we didn't get stopped or anything. Um, and then a little later, I was telling uh, one of my friends about that incident. And he actually uh, was really, really convicted. He started to cry because when he drove by with his son, his response was, we need to do violence on those people. And little children see that, the difference on Sunday and during the week, and there's they don't have any other context other than hypocrisy. And that's a real struggle. And you can do as a parent, and I did this all the time, you can apologize when you when you do something wrong, when your kids catch you doing something. For my little grandson, Seven, I've had to apologize a couple times 
for yelling at a phone customer service person <laughs> while, while he was here while he was listening and but that's that's the transparency that we need as parents too is because we're not perfect because we do struggle daddy sinned in this kid's situation and i'm sorry i repented i'm sorry that you had to see that sort of thing so i don't think in my case i sacrificed any relationships uh, but i was always mindful of that and always made sure that we talked about things at home so they understood. And the other th- lucky thing that, or the God's providence, we, Kathy and I, were married 10 years. Nine of those I was saved. So my theology was pretty set by the time I we had kids. And that we left up to the Lord as well. So I didn't, they didn't see me struggling with it. Um, and, and I think that helped. But as yeah. Christian parents, if, if anybody's listened to this and you're new in Christ and you're growing, be transparent with your kids. Tell them when you made a mistake. That's better than leaving it and letting them think of a hypocrisy because many of those parents struggle with their kids now. And I think that's the reason. One of the things that are, did premarital counseling with my pastor, Ken, who we've talked about a couple of times, but he sat down, we were doing that and we were talking in the context of Jordan and I, but uh, I find that it extends to fatherhood and into most situations. He says, uh, he's talking about conflict and, and loving and, and submitting and repenting. And what does this look like? And he was going back and forth. He's like, you should both love. You should both submit. You should both apologize. But then he looked at me and he said, you start. <laughs> and he goes, right. you start every time. Right. Uh, you say you're sorry first. You've, you start mm-hmm. the conversation first, you lead. And I find that with my kids, setting that example in that way with my kids has been really important because some of the most powerful things I think you can say to most anyone, but certainly to your children is I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Right, right. And that was, um, and that was I'm not, not going to tell you why I was right. wrong. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to explain all my issues or... Well, you know, why I did a thing and all my logic behind it. No, I'm not going to excuse myself. I'm going to say, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? Right. Moving on. Yeah. Amen. There's a verse in Romans. I think it's Romans 12. Might be 14. But Paul says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And I take that as a principle is if you think you're the spiritually mature one in an argument, then you're the one that goes and tries to fix the relationship. That's your responsibility. How they respond yeah. is not your responsibility, but your resp- if you think you are the spiritually mature one, as far as it depends on you, means you. Yeah. And, and even in our secular relationships, even at work, um, that was always my principle. Because sinners can't help their sinfulness, but Christians, we, in the power of the Holy Ghost, can, can make it a lot better. And so it's 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 up to the one who thinks he's the strongest. And I think that's why Ken was telling you that is because you're the you're the leader, you're the God given leader. And even though that looks different in your generation than it did in mine and that it did in my father's, it's still your your God given role. And and that's what responsible people do. Responsible Christians do. Oh, and really quickly, my dad got saved at the very end of his life. So, so thank That's you, amazing. Jesus. God, God did His work in his heart. But um, I didn't want to, to anybody to think my dad um, got out of this life without knowing Jesus. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited that that happened for him. Um, I, I switching gears a little bit, just because I. I can't let you go without knowing more about what Fred was like growing up. I know what he's like now. Right. I know him. Fred Fred is one of my best friends in the entire world. And uh, I love who he's grown up to be. And I attribute uh, certainly uh, a pretty big share of that to the way that he was raised in your home. But I got to know, I the way that he talks about himself growing up sounds so goofy and ridiculous. And I got to know what your perspective of, of him growing up was. Well, and that's... And and what he's telling you is the truth. Um, <laughs> I believe it. I uh, so uh, from in the in the book of Luke from the first two chapters, I noticed a long long time ago that when certain things happened um, with 
to Jesus when he was a, a baby and a boy, the Bible says, and Mary treasured these things up in her heart. Yeah. And so I take that as a general principle as well. When you have special moments with friends, loved ones, family, treasure those moments up in your heart. And from that, what I have done is I, I give um, to the people who are really, really close to me, I give a prayer moniker, a nickname to them. Uh, yeah. So uh, Kathy's the wife of my youth, which is a place of honor in the Old Testament. Uh, Cassandra is my, and I won't go through all the kids and stuff, but Cassandra is the daughter of my strength um, because she was born at one of the best times in my life. And then Freddie is my son of promise because he was born at one of the worst times in my life. Mm. And one of the ways, one of the steps in getting out of the depth that I was in of despair was God gave me this little boy. So that means there's a future, right? He wouldn't have given me a little boy to... Um, to spend the rest of my life as a failure. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And so he became my son of promise. And I did struggle with depression for many years. But one of the things that helped was watching Freddie run around and just have a blast wherever he, he ran everywhere <laughs> he went. He expected to enjoy himself everywhere he went. Yeah. Um, and he did. Um, I always tell people in church, if there was a group of kids running around, just being kids, Freddie either instigated it or he was right in the middle of it. <laughs> so I could I could always find him because I, I knew where he was. Um, but he's also got a really, really tender heart. And he he would come and confess things that, I mean, he could lie for a little while and he could do things for a little while, but never for a long time. He would have to come and confess um when one of the times he and so he grew up he's he's tall now but he was short growing up and we were at a store and and this is why it's important for our kids to listen to us before we can reason with them because he took off running and he went running through a parking lot and i'm hollering at him to stop 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 and he wouldn't stop and he ran behind a big uh, uh, old Lincoln. I still remember the car. He ran behind it as the guy was backing out. And there's no way he could have seen Freddie running behind it because he was littler than the trunk and no backup cameras in those days. And I was scared to death. And and uh, so by that time, I was chasing him, trying to try him stop. And, and the guy missed him. God's providence, the guy missed him. I was but too fast. He was too fast. He was very fast. <laughs> But that's that's your takeaway from the story, Freddie. <laughs> but is that I was too fast. The part that that kind of encapsulate who Freddie is is you know he's laughing stuff, and I scooped him up, and I threw him. This is how Lily was. I, he still had a car seat, and I threw him into the car seat, and I said, "If you ever do that again," and in our family we had something called a park spanking. I said, "I am going to give you the hardest park spanking anybody's ever received." And then I said, and if somebody backs into you and you die, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus <laughs> and he's going to let me spank you. <laughs> and his face just immediately fell and he just started to bawl at that. And it wasn't, I didn't spank him. It was just, I was just so intensely I was just so intensely afraid for him. Um, but that kind yeah. of encapsulate both those sides to him. He was always always energetic, always running, always had fun. Um, him and his mom like practical jokes. I don't like practical jokes. Um, <laughs> but but well, you, 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 I, after he said he'd spank me in heaven, the rest of that story is, I said, you, you can't. You wouldn't be able to spank me in heaven, right? Didn't I say something like that? There was a little bit of an exchange. But, oh, okay. But, but yeah, Jesus will let me when I get there. Jesus is going to let me. Um, 
But but to me that <laughs> you're trying to argue with him about heaven spankings. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that kind of encapsulate that that fun, that carefree ability just to enjoy the moment. And and whenever I felt sad and depressed, I would watch Freddie and his interaction with the other kids and stuff. Um but those are both those things together. He did he did have a tender heart for um for the right stuff uh, growing up. But yeah, he was he was it was fun to watch him and to raise him. When you look at uh the boys now, uh Freddie's boys, uh do you see anything in any of them where you're like that which well two things. Which boy is the most like Freddie so far? I know that everything's going to change as right. the time goes on. And what things do you see in those boys that are like Wow, it's like watching, I don't know, a generational blessing, I guess, would be the yeah. thing to see those traits in those boys. Well, I haven't been around Maze as much, and he's just getting to the point where um, it's going to be, it's fun to be around him. I hugged him and kissed him uh, this morning a lot, um, or this afternoon. But um, Wesley is really, really smart, and Freddie was really, really smart. Um, there was an, uh, a time uh, when some homeschooling homeschooling stuff backfired and and um he didn't think he was smart but he he's really really smart and so i see that in wesley and i see wesley's ability to think through things and and he's got a really analytical mind um wesley does and despite freddie's sense of humor and his in his his uh loving fun um he thinks through things better than i did um, better than I do. Uh, when I started my podcast, it was, I got an iPad, I got a program, boom, let's go. And so the tech technical stuff, it, they were really awful. Those early episodes are really, cause I didn't even edit them. I just, you can hear the paper shuffling back. I did an episode on, uh, that song, Hallelujah, yeah. which I think is a really profound song, but I had a cold. So I'm sneezing and coughing and <laughs> and I and I published that thing, uh, but you guys have you guys have you're planning this out. You're you've done trial runs. You, you know that's the difference between me and Freddie, and that's the way Wesley's going to be. He's going to think through things. He asks profound questions, um, like Freddie did, um, and so from that standpoint, I see that in them. And then um, for comical stuff, it's Brooks. Brooks is is yeah. is little, little Freddie. He's he's yeah. he's taking stuff apart. Freddie was always taking stuff apart. You got to see what it looks like. Uh, in fact, there was a little mess on his desk here um, this morning, and it was a um, a demolition of some toy that Brooks had started, and now Freddie was finishing. So <laughs> so with Brooks, uh, just the energy Brooks has, and uh, and and. And, and the joy and stuff, too, is, is just there. Yeah, it was um, just brutal timing because I was talking to Dad about Brooks. Yesterday, Brooks took a Hot Wheel car, put it in the sink, and then took the entirety of his of all of our boys' toothpaste and squeezed it out on top of a car and then got toothpaste <laughs> all over his hands. So he went to the toilet paper roll to wipe it off and then ended up ruining an entire <laughs> roll of toilet paper whilst getting toothpaste all over the sink wall and everything so i was just telling dad about him just being this walking mess maker and then he asked about this mess on my desk and it was a it was a dart like a nerf gun dart that brooks had pulled the end off so it was useless and then i just shredded it to bits for no reason i was like on the phone and he just looks and says oh i wonder where he gets it from (laughs) it's like Um, but that's another actually good principle that brings up a practical principle we never spanked our kids for childishness only for open rebellion because kids are going to be kids mm. they're they're going to do stuff they're going to do goofy stuff just because that's the age that they're at um freddie was that way and more so <laughs> growing up and brooks is that way and more so <laughs> he still is that way yeah. <laughs> uh, as a as a grown-up right. which is pretty fun because i'm not right. i'm not even close to that way with one exception, Freddie won't jump off anything tall. He right. won't like I'll jump off anything tall into water. Freddie, I don't know if he's scared of heights. I don't know what his deal is, but he I was like, Oh, let's go jump off this thing. And I'm expecting him to be like, Yeah, man, let's go. 
He's like, nah, I'm good. Go <laughs> like, what do you mean you're good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's kind of unexpected as well. Yeah, it's very unexpected. I don't, he's uh, usually, Matt's our instigator friend who right. will kind of poke the bear <laughs> right. to get somebody to do something. And then Fred's the one that will do it. Right. That's that's how I expect those yeah. relationships to work. <laughs> and so it was uh, it was surprising to me that I was on top of this cliff by myself instead. Right. But it looks fine. great falling in. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> I did not fall. I jumped. That's what I mean. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, falling, that sounds worse than it should be. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, Thank you, Fred, for coming on with us and chatting with us today. This has been uh, a real treat, yeah. real blessing yeah. to be able to hear you. I know that I haven't, due to distance, been able to get to know you super well, so it was really fun for me to hear your heart today and to um, get to know you a little bit and to hear about how you've been raising Yeah, uh, Fred. I think one, just one more thing. And I want to commandeer um, one thing after that, but I'll make it quick. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Commandeer is commandeer away. The the one last thing I I really really want to hear is if um, if there was anything any one thing you could take to encourage dads, uh, any dads who would listen to this or dads in general, what would you say to them to encourage them in whatever season they might be in? Okay. And actually, that's that's the Holy Spirit leading right there because that leads into exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, when I, I taught Sunday school, adult Sunday school, for 25 years, I never taught a topical class like how to be a dad and how to be a husband. I never taught that because I believe with my whole heart, mind, and soul that if you study the Word of God with the intent to apply it to yourself and to do what God wants you to do, you will, by nature of your spiritual growth, be the dad, the husband, the worker, the you know the employee that you're supposed to be, the the biblical principles carried out in the power of the Holy Spirit, is one of the things that gave me the confidence to let my kids go when they got adults. I trusted, yeah. the, I trust the Word of God. I trusted what uh, we instilled in Kathy and I did into their lives. Uh, by the way, uh, everything I learned about being a servant, I learned from their mother. And everything that you yeah. see in Freddie and Cassandra about their servant heart, that comes from their mother. The theology That's comes amazing. from me, but their servant heart <laughs> comes from their mom. Um, and then the and then the other thing is to be in constant prayer for them. When when uh, like I said, we were married ten years when we when we knew that we were going to have a, a baby. I didn't even know. I was my wife called me. Um, and I immediately went to a park where I prayed and I began to pray for her husband. When Freddie was in the womb, I began to pray for his wife and they have marvelous spouses, God fearing spouses. Yeah. And so the answer to your question is know the Bible yourself, commit to doing it yourself, repenting when you need to repent. Um, and then instilling that into your babies. That's the first thing, because you're going to be the people. I never I never told Freddie how to interact with other people. I mean, we never sat down and had that lesson, or my daughter. But they knew the biblical principles. They watched their dad and mom try to carry those out to the best of their abilities. And then the second thing is just prayer. Prayer. God uses prayer to bring about his will. And so be be in the word for yourself. Model that for your babies, teach it to them, and then be in prayer for them over everything. I, I, I didn't. I don't know how it slipped away, but just maybe two months ago, I was able to send a message to Katie and to Derek. That's Cassandra's husband. And at that time, I, I hadn't told either of them, and I'm not sure how that happened. But I told them, "You are the answer to more than 20 years of prayer." I yeah. thank Jesus for you every day and and that's important for our babies as well yeah it's wow. a good word yeah i think that what i love about being able to talk to to you justin and then hear from you dad is we get in all these experiences and these uh, memories and moments and thoughts that have gone into raising our children and um 
I know for me, sometimes when I hear something and my initial response to it is, oh, well, that worked for you or, oh, I'm, you know, my, my, maybe my initial response isn't like, oh, that's something I really need, but rather maybe something I don't want to hear right now is probably something where the Holy Spirit is saying, like, hey, this is a <laughs> listen up sort of a thing and uh, and take this to heart. So for for me, I know that's something that I, I can do uh, way better at is praying intentionally for my sons and for their futures. Um, and I would encourage anybody else, you, Justin, anybody else who's thinking like, I don't know, maybe thinking like, ah, will it work or will it not? And I sit here not as proof of evidence, but I sit here with my dad saying like, we have a relationship, a deep loving relationship that I would want for anyone else to have. It's not perfect. <laughs> and I am. Then, it's Freddie's fault. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not him. It's me. <laughs> um, but it's a, um, it's something that is like, we should take these, we should take these uh, examples seriously and implement those encouragements into our life. Yeah. So. And they'll look different. You'll do it differently. But it's that intentionality committed to the word and and then giving them to Jesus because that's really where it's at. Yeah. And so now it's our first time, Justin, we get to invite our guests to do a love letter. And since this whole I'm podcast very has been a love letter to me, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan, you got a love letter for uh, Cassandra. I do. Um, and Justin, uh, is it just life that led you two guys together? A real quick question, and I know we haven't yeah, we've talked a that's lot. A good question. Um, but what led you uh, to, to be this? In, I know I've heard you talk about your dad, and so I know that's part of it. But this, uh, uh, do you find it scary raising your babies? I always find it scary raising <laughs> my babies. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, I've always wanted to be a to be a dad uh, and have kids, and and to be able to have girls has been. Uh, I, I don't. Who knows what I would do with boys? I know what I'd do with girls, right. and I really like it. <laughs> um, I like to be the girl dad that I get to be. Um, yeah, the. Being able to be here and, and chat about these things with Freddie uh, is a product of uh, a long line of providential intervention. Uh, it's, I mean, Katie and I have been friends or in each other's lives since we were twelve, um, and so being being able to we went to church together, we went to school together, uh, our families were close and vacationed together, um, and so to then have someone like Freddie come into the to the picture to be able to uh, be such an easy relationship to to build through um, is it, along with with the other couple that we spend a lot of time with Matt and Reb has been a been a huge blessing and so when he starts talking about things of his heart and they generally connect with the things of my heart um, just from different perspectives it really was. Uh, it's a good way for me to process through those scary things that we're mm -hmm. talking about yeah. for these girls, because uh, they are they are scary. Um, it's a the world can be scary, and it's scary for dads. Um, you just want to lock them all up in the house and never let them go. <laughs> right. um, and so it's 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 a hard thing to process through and allow those experiences to happen. So being able to hear your experience through that was very uh, very beneficial for me. Awesome. Yeah. One of these days you'll have to tell me some Katie stories. So I don't have a, I don't oh, have a lot I, of those. I have, yeah? I have several. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have. Yeah, I have many. We were, uh, Mary, the first thing we ever did together was be Mary and Joseph in, oh, in, cool. uh, a school, a church Christmas production. Right. So back off. Justin. Oh yeah. <laughs> just saying, just saying I had her first. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. No, just joking. Uh -huh. You have a love letter for uh, Cassie, I hope, because we did talk about if Fred has to sit there and listen to a love letter about himself, I think his head might explode. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> well, yeah, and I got plenty of Fred jokes for anything that we might do in the future. Um, oh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Um, Cassandra J. 
daughter of my strength. I have peace in my soul because you pursue the Father. I have joy in the same way because you love the Son. I have hope because you contemplate the moving of the Holy Spirit. And the love that I have for you is because you are a strong, yet humble, godly woman. And God gave you to be my daughter. Forever, remember, of all the girls in all the whole wide world, ever, I would choose you to be my baby girl. That was awesome. I say that to my babies. <laughs> yep. Because it's true. That was amazing. Well, Dad, thank you so much. Thanks for getting through that. I know that was, uh, <laughs> yeah. The intensity is uh, of of the love we have for our kids is palpable, and I love that. So thank you for that example. Justin, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. You can Thanks find for letting this. me ramble. Yeah. <laughs> oh, any tr- any time. Trust me. Yeah. If anybody's interested and wants more of Friend Senior, which I know you're just chomping at the bit <laughs> for, again, uh, Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Uh, you can check him out. Um, and thanks for thanks for joining us today. No, nope, we'll my later. pleasure. All right, bye, Jesus. Justin. Love you, buddy. Bye, buddy. Love you.